But it would be like this. It would be like if you were a plant. A nice plant. And you like plants? Not, not the kind they grow here nowadays. Not those kind of plants. But another normal plant. Amen? Kind of plant you have in your, well, I couldn't say living room because some of you, I don't know. But let's go. You know, you had a plant. But if I took that plant and I had a pot and I pulled out of that pot and I put it into another pot and I'd give it miracle grow because you, know, you don't want the shock. It, it would probably grow and it would, would live. But if next week I took it out again and put it in another plant, a pot, and then the next week I put it in another pot, I don't care how much miracle grow you put in, that plant would die. Because uh, you, you can only have so much shock. See, the, the plant needs to establish roots. And see, in this day and age, people lose the value of being rooted. Right? Now, again, you can do a plant once, maybe twice, but after a while, if you keep doing that, and th that, that's the nature of Colorado Springs Christians, they just they change churches like they change their underwear. Right? And good thing they have clean underwear, but they're not good Christians. Oh, did I just say that? I did, huh? Wow. <laughs> See, what he's trying to do is steal your faith. The growing mistrust people have affects our faith towards God. So imagine just moving, moving, moving. And mo most of the time when people move like that, because maybe they, they, there's something wrong or they have an issue, and I got to say this, of trusting people. And mistrust is, tends to be the root of almost every quarrel, some form of mistrust. You argue because if somebody tells you something and you don't believe them or you don't trust them, right? And you get an argument. But if you trust them, you believe anything they say, right? If they're out three in the morning in, 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 a, in a club and you weren't there and they said, but I didn't do anything. If you trusted them, you'd believe them, right? But would you believe that if somebody told you they didn't do nothing in the club at three in the morning? You're going to say, come on, Jack. Why? Because you don't trust them, Right? And that's just the way this world operates. And you come into church, and the same thing happens in church. So the enemy's strategy is to make sure there is no trust. So if you have trouble trusting uh, people, then your faith is ultimately hindered. Hmm? And your spiritual temperature is how your faith responds. So if we're, we're talking about trusting, we're talking about our, our faith responding. Why? Because faith is the only thing that will move the heart of God. God doesn't really care about anything else but your faith. It is faith that pleases God. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus actually combs the earth looking for faith, looking for it. So we have to have opportunities to move in faith. Most Christians can come to church and never once move in faith. They just think by coming to church is good enough. No, no, it's a start, but some point in your life, you have to take a step of faith. When I say a step of faith, doesn't mean buy a new car, buy a house. No, 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 that's your thing, and that's okay. That's not a, that doesn't take faith. It takes a high credit rating and a good job. That's it. You don't need faith to do that. When I'm talking about faith, it's when this, there's nothing else can make it work but God. Now you're taking a step of faith. Amen? See, at the core of every breakdown is a breakdown of faith. When people scatter, when people pull up roots, there's a breakdown of faith. Something's happening in a person's life huh? for them to uproot themselves and move. There's a, there's a struggle of faith. Hmm? See, if faith 
is not constantly used, what happens is faith will cease to exist. That's one, one reason why I, I've learned from Pastor Sonny, oftentimes he'll, he'll do things just to do it, to stretch our faith, especially pastors. You know, you're not, not, you, we'd be in our meetings, all the pastors, and he'd come up and said, okay, we have this project in, I think, in Africa a few, few years back. We need to buy them a van, and it costs whatever $1,000, and we need to buy this, 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 set up this building, but we need to raise $100,000. He goes, how many pastors I got here? We got a couple hundred. Okay, I need every pastor to give 1000 bucks." And I said, dang. <laughs> I'm just like you, you know what I mean? I said, whoa, here we go now. I said, okay. Why? Because he understood something. He goes, if we don't exercise our faith, it'll cease to exist in our life. So he exercised our faith. See, some of you have very little faith because you don't even know how to tithe yet. And I'm not trying to put you down. But without that, you have no faith. And if you don't, if you're not careful, and some people say, well, church is boring, I ain't going to that church no more. It's not an issue of that. That's your excuse. But what really happened was an issue of faith. And what really happened is you don't trust me enough to give. So it's an issue of trust. So the enemy is always trying to attack that area of trust and faith. Why? Because that area is not going to hinder me. It's going to hinder you. Because I've, I've already had my stretchings. I've had my growth spurts. I've done the very thing that you're going through. I've went through all that. Then I've passed this, and here I am now. You're at that level. Either you're going to start believing the Word of God, or you're not. And if you don't begin by stretching your faith, it'll cease to exist. In other words, this is what the Bible calls, you will backslide Hmm? Again, if faith is not constantly used, it will cease to exist. Healthy faith cannot be harmed. Now, when you're walking in faith, especially in Victoria, if you have a healthy faith, you're being stretched and you're trusting God, right? I don't care how bad your history was. Does anybody have a bad history? Raise your hand. Come on, we all have some bad histories. You know, hey, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I don't even know how I'm saying Really, you know, my mother was a witch. All my life did witchcraft, right? All my life. I, I got loaded. My first time I did drugs, I was in the fifth grade. I did heroin before high school, PCP, LSD, all before I even went to high school. Uh, I, I popped a fuse, flipped, you know, and, and, and seen all kinds of stuff. And somehow, some way, I'm still here. Huh? Amen. Well, you can go ahead and give a Lord a, a praise for that one because I'm pretty happy. Well, see, he's always trying to do that. He's trying to, to strip us down, confuse us, and beat us down. Why? Because he doesn't want you to operate in faith. See, but despite your past, if you're stretching your faith, it can't harm you. The only time your, your past could harm you is when you're not operating in faith. I'm going to say it again because if you sink that in. See, people that are healthy in their faith no matter how bad their past is, are healthy. Why? Because their past is their past, and their faith opens up doors to hope. And so they don't even worry about their past. In fact, they thank God for their past. I'm reminded when I seen one of my favorite authors, Miles Monroe. He was tripping me out. Miles Monroe, I was watching him on TV. Black pastor from Jamaica. Jamaica, man. So he's preaching, and, I, and there's a 
thousands of people. I'm, I'm watching. And it's a trick. Cause we, he came here at another church, and my wife and I went there. We were just sitting there minding our own business. And he, and this is, believe me, he's one of my favorite authors. I mean, like, favorite of all time. So, you know, you know. So I went to go see him, and he calls me and my wife out of the audience and prays for us. And, and, and prophesied over our life. I go, well, check this out. My favorite author prophesying over me. It was heavy. Anyway, get back to where I'm going. That's just a side note. He said this. Talk about past. He said, I thank God for slavery. Now, everybody was kind of confused. The blacks were getting mad, and the whites were going, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, oh, they were tripping. He said that. You know why? And it was amazing. He goes, I thank God for slavery because if it wasn't for slavery, this black man wouldn't be preaching to all you white folk. <laughs> healthy faith. Because he was healthy in his faith. He didn't allow the ugliness of the past dictate who he was. He allowed his faith to stand him up and say, now I'm the man. Isn't that good? See, and that's what we, we have to, to look at. You have to have healthy faith. And so you have to understand, God restores broken life. That's the truth. The truth is God removes pain of old wounds and scars. The truth is God leads you, me, to greatness. That's the truth. But what has to happen to get to that point? Choices. Oh, no. Choices. Choices you make determine your faith. Choices. You know, one of my, I, I, I like this restaurant. BJ's. I like that restaurant. I do. But I hate their menu. It's like an encyclopedia of food. You know, you look at that menu, like, it's about that thick. I go, how do they cook all this stuff? There's too many choices. Right? You know, it's like, confusing. I didn't want to look at it. Right? But so you have a lot of choices to make, moral choices. See, your choice, if contrary to the Bible, is morally wrong. We're talking about moral choices. Who you marry? Hello, somebody. Right? Who you marry? Don't get scary. <laughs> Where you work? People say, well, God, God gave me a job. He gave you a good job. I make good money. Yeah, yeah. But one thing, what? I can't make it to church. I can't make it to Bible study. God didn't give you that job. The devil's setting you up and you're a sucker. Huh? No way. You think God's going to give you a job to take away from church? Huh? Come on now. I mean, you, you, you know, you weren't born last night, were you? Okay. And also social uh, choices. Who you're going to kick it with? Do not be deceived, the Bible says. Bad company corrupts good character. Huh? You are going to be who you hang around with. That's it. You, you have to make choices. And why? Because all these choices are going to affect your faith. So if you marry the right one, man or woman, they'll support your walk in faith. You marry the wrong one, they're going to want all your attention and get jealous of God in the ministry. What about me? What about me? Who cares about you? What about God? Huh? And so, but you may, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen women get jealous of God. Jealous of them. They don't get jealous of God. They don't say like that, but they get jealous. Well, you'll spend more time in the church. You'll spend more time with you. But what about me? What, what about me, 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 me? <laughs> Look, I wasn't married to him. I said, shut up, shut up. <laughs> choices. Common sense choices you got to make. 
See, faith-filled believers pray earnestly. They pray until they find God's will. You're going to pray. These are common sense choices. But how you make it, you got to pray. 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 And they say, well, they tell me to pray, and I went and prayed. Pray doesn't mean you go just talk to God for like 10 minutes, man. Pray means you pray. I mean, words, what happened to the day and age when people prayed? Pastor Steve would tell me to pray. He goes, pray about your mom's salvation. I prayed for 40 days. I fasted for 40 days because I was praying for my mama. Some of you go, oh, God, save my husband, and you don't pray until breakfast. But pray, that might come out with prayer and fasting, but you got to make choices. What are you going to do? See, we have to make choices. And these are common sense steps of faith because that kind of faith Pleases God. I didn't know what I was doing when the Lord told me, and I knew he told me to fast. From I had no idea what fasting was. I didn't even know they called it fasting. I just knew I couldn't eat. Right? I didn't know, I didn't know what fasting was. Fast. The only thing I knew about fast is go fast to the refrigerator. <laughs> but I fasted. I fasted. Why? Because I knew I had to make a choice. I wanted my mom saved, and she was a witch. So this was no normal spirit. She had some wicked ones. Amen? So you need to, you need to make church choices. Where are you going to go to church? How we, and listen, how we view God is determined by your church. Right? We, well, we, we, Victor Arch is very distinct. We have a, a way of looking at the world. You know, some churches, you got to wear long sleeves. Right? You ever see that? It's like in dress with long dresses, no makeup. It's like make us look ugly, church. I don't know what it is. We're all, everybody's different, right? But you get to make that choice. You have to choose where you're called to be. Some people don't want to answer the call so they find a big church so they can hide. Hiding amongst the trees as if God can't see you. Hmm? For the sake of our personality, God looks a little different to everybody. But you're going to have to make choices. You have so many choices. And the most critical element of a church, a church must have a sense of community. It has to be a sense of community. Bigger than your, than your life. Bigger than your family. Bigger than this church. We have to have a sense of community. And listen, when I go all over the world, I don't go to some, some church just to uh, be a minister and, and to uh, be a, uh, you know, just provide a service. No, no, no. When I go to Europe and Asia, I go to my family's house. And that's a fact, Jack. We, we are like, that's our, who we are. And that's what we expect you to be. When you go anywhere, God's got you, got a calling in life. We, you're, you're an extension of the family of Victory Outreach. Uh, the family. Pastor Paul Lloyd in London. No, well, he's from London, but he's in Manchester. He oversees that there. He's preached at our Mighty Men of Con uh, um, Conference. He and his, his, his message was, and I remember this, Huh? Favor isn't fair. He goes, I have God's favor. He preached up a storm. He was preaching up, and I go, man, I don't like that. <laughs> I won't give me some of that one, right? Favor isn't fair. Because he was talking about God's favor in his life. But that was, that was my brother out of, out of Europe, that we have a kindred spirit. When we sit down to each other, we know each other even though we don't know each other. Why? Because God speaks to us because we're a community. We look at God a certain way. God speaks to us in our discipleship because we disciple men the same way. God speaks to us in our marriage because we believe in marriage in the same way. We think alike. And matter of fact, he is me. 
and I'm him. Family. Family. See, when you have a community, community is defined as a social group or organism sharing an environment and normally shared with shared interests. It's derived from the word communitas or communis, which means common or public. And it's two words, muni, munis, which where we get the word municipality, munis, and commune, community. So you come together. Acts 2.44 tells us that the believers were together and had everything in common. Amazing. Everything in common. And that, that's so contrary to the American dream because most people don't want, hey, me, myself, and I. I take care of mine. You take care of you. And the bigger the city, the more brutal it becomes. So we're, you know, Colorado Springs is not a big city, so it's not as bad. You know, when I first came to Colorado Springs, it tripped me out. I'd be driving. Just driving, mind my own business. And I, I look at somebody walking the street, and they'd look at me and they'd wave. And I, I'd go, Hey, you know him? You know, I don't know him. I thought you knew him. I don't know that guy. The guy waved at me. <laughs> In my neighborhood, you don't wave. Well, what you waving at, dude? You're narc? You know, you don't be waving at me. We get all mad if somebody waves at you. But it was like different, like, wow, okay. But as you get a, a bigger city and bigger city, more and more people together, it becomes more brutal and more angry. So when you bring a lot of people tightly together, evil increases. The more people together, the more evil. That's why all major cities are very evil in the inner city because there's so many people together. So the only way to combat that type of evil, and it was mentioned earlier, is that we have to have a community strong enough to come against that. That's why we're called to every inner city of the world, to bring community. We, what do we do on 2818 North Nevada? That was a shooting galley, dope fiends, right? Running amok. We changed the community. Why? Because we brought community to them. Hmm. So you have to look at the past. Community was a seamless web of family, fellow villagers, land, religion, occupation, rights, and duty. Community was characterized by, by coherence, continuity, and commitment. They were together. In fact, they understood that I needed you, and you need me. And that's, what, that's how communities were formed. Nowadays, most people don't even know their neighbors. Oh, they probably, hey, hey, Joe. That's about it. Hey, Sally. Hi, Sally. That's my neighbor. Never went to dinner with her, never did nothing with them. But that's your neighbor. Because the enemy is killing community. Killing community. Why? Because he knows if I can kill community, I can kill a nation. If I can kill community, I could make a church powerless. It's community that makes a church strong. Amen? Yes. Today we all live in a broken community. Violence. Drug abuse has crossed all economic strata. It used to be just the neighborhood. No, not no more. There's dope things everywhere. Huh? You don't believe me? Ask Prince. Dope things everywhere. Violence everywhere. It's, it's crossed all economic strata. A recent survey showed 92% of Americans believe they are self-sufficient. And only 3 out of 10 adults were trying to find a few good friends. I don't need nobody. And that's what you're taught. I don't need nobody. Listen, yes, you do. People make you better. That's why I like, you know, a church where there's 
Hispanics, whites, blacks, Orientals, Filipinos, jalapenos. Why? Because it makes us better. It does. It makes us more diverse. We get to see the world from different angles, right? You get, you get to see a different picture. You, you, you're, you're, a, you're a whole person instead of you're limited. Before I was limited, I came from the neighborhood. I'm from, I'm from Dakota, USA. Right, Larry? Dakota, USA. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is just what we did uptown, right, Larry? I, remember if you remember this, Larry. This is, this is all of us. Right, Larry? With the frajo. And if the cops went around, we're drinking. And that's how we looked at the world, as people drove by. And, and that's all we knew. That's all we did. And that's how we saw the world. Until God broke us out of that bondage. Broke us out of the bondage and introduced people from different realms, different societies, different nations, different thoughts and I go wow look at the world look at how beautiful it is and how blinded we were see the breakdown community is not a new event huh in 1897 Emil Durkheim wrote in clear terms of the breakdown of traditional belief system and social growth even then they, he, he, they realized that families were being torn apart today we see the weakening collapse of communities today the reason the most Influential woman last year was a man. The, the, the most influential woman in the United States, they put him on the magazine, was a man. Are you kidding me? What's that guy's name? Caitlin. Caitlin. Dummy. Now, that's pretty bad. When the most, the best woman was a man. Ladies, you, you, you must, must be messed up, but the best woman's a man? You, you see what's happened to the community? Huh? Our president was fighting for the rights of mentally deranged sexual perverts to use whatever restroom they want? Huh? Let me tell you something. I'm a pastor. But if my grandbaby's in a restroom and some pervert goes on there, I am going to love them with a five-fold ministry. Repeatedly and repeatedly. Amen. What's <laughs> messing with my girl? That's my baby girl. Sit out that, sit out that bathroom. Come on. Come on. Well, my baby goes in there. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? This is on camera. <laughs> Can't help it. Our, our attorney general... Loretta Lynch said this. We must understand terrorism with more compassion. Now, I don't, I don't get this. What I don't get is how does a person at that realm of authority look at the world? Huh? How? What happened here? Now, you know, me... The way I, I know how you 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 deal with the terrorists, you kill them. You have to fight them. You have to protect your family. You know, you lock and load, put it in hope you never have to use it. But if somebody comes shooting in my neighborhood, I'm shooting back. Huh? I'm gonna protect my family because we're family. 
But the thinking, the, the breakdown that's happening, right, is, is astounding. These sad realities lend itself to some important shared values that we should have. It says in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves the apostle, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. These are very, very important for us. We have to devote ourselves to teaching, fellowship, breaking in bread, and prayer. If we're going to maintain a community, that's what it's going to take. Because if not, everything that's taking place is going to confuse the heck out of you. Huh? And then you're not going to even know what's up or down. The Bible says in the end times, evil will be called good. And if you believe in good, you know, right now you're xenophobic because we don't we want to secure our borders. Xenophobic, uh, or you're you're a racist because you don't believe in uh, in certain things. You're right away you're a racist. It has nothing to do with it. Evil. We're talking about protecting family, hmm? protecting. But we're, we're getting the, the 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 definitions are changing. It's good now. Just the other day, the military. They're, they're just so ahead of the game, huh? I guess they're so smart. They have now said you can serve in the army as a transgendered soldier. So Private George can get promoted to Sergeant Sally. <laughs> this is the country we're living in. This is, this is the country you're raising your kids in. If we don't begin to teach them right, what else are they going to hear? That it's okay? Listen, that's not okay. And I got to say it now loud and clear because there will come a day, um, it's maybe sooner than later, that when I preach like this, it'll get me arrested. Huh? But it's okay. I know, I've done time. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep preaching it. Going to keep preaching the truth. Amen? Amen. So we have to keep our values. I'm going to end with this. Ted Kavanaugh, Ted Kavanaugh said this in his article titled Broken Community. He said that true community is not exclusive. You it have is to not develop so. respect. Boundary. You have to know personalities. Some people are just great people. This is a great person, and this is a great person, and they're just really great. But when you put them together, it's not really great. It has nothing to do with them being bad or not. They're great by themselves. But together, for whatever reason, their personalities just, just, just don't make it. What does that mean? That you, you, you hate each other? No, no. It means you understand each other and you move on. Because some people just can't get along. I was having a talk with some, some ministers and some guys having issues. And I'm sitting here and listening to them talk about issues. And I go, you know what? Look, you guys. You can't get along with everybody. And they all stopped and looked at me. And they go, we want to take a picture and make a mime like that. Of Pastor Al, you can't get along with everybody. Because you can. And you have to accept that and move on and not let it ruin who you are. Because community, you should have that. Because if you didn't have that, then we'd be a bunch of robots. We're individuals with individual thoughts. And we have to learn to get along. Amen? Amen. So what makes our VO Victor Arctic community? First, our vision, Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, and Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. We have a vision. Our five E's, evangelism. Oh, they're not up here. Evangelism, exaltation, establish, envision, equip. These are our, our values. Are the three C's, community, cause, and corporation. That makes it, we have certain shared values that are the same all over the, the world. This is who we are. Hmm? 
See, is there none left who will fight for his people in his church? Will you fight for that? Pastor Steve once said, he goes, this is how you know you got the vision and your, part, and your family. He said like this. That was really good. Like, man, that's a good analogy. Imagine we are all in the Rocky Stadium, right? All of Victor Outreach, all the, everybody. Imagine everybody could fit in rock, the Rocky Stadium. A tragedy hit, hurricane hit, and everybody was wiped out except you. Out of those ashes, would Victor Outreach be born again? See, if you can say yes, then you have the vision. You understand what we're about. When I heard that, I go, I like that. That's me. I have purpose in my heart that if everybody was wiped out in some tragedy, that Victor Irish International would rise out of my life. Because I am that vision. I am. I believe in reaching every any city of the world. I believe in going after those girls that, that you was talking about that are sex, sex trafficked. Do you know that, that, that families rejoice when they have a, a girl born in their family? Why? Because they can put them on the streets to make money. And we live here like, oh, God, bless me. Oh, I'm so I'm blessed. Are you blessed? Well, I'm blessed. And I know that I am. Well, the world is going to hell. Some of your family members on the other side of the globe. So we have to do something about it. So I, 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 am, I, I burn with passion to do something about it. Now, I can't save the world, but I can save some. I can reach some. And that's what I'm going to do. And the good thing is I'm not alone. There's pastors like me everywhere. Huh? See, spiritual forces continually attempt to infiltrate churches to ruin the sense of community. So how do we fight? We've got to devote ourselves to the teaching. We have to devote ourselves to fellowship. We have to devote ourselves to breaking the bread. We have to devote ourselves to prayer. So we must fight for our values. John Gardner He's the author of the book On Leadership, one, of my, one, one great author. He said this, with the disintegration of communities comes the disintegration of shared values. With no sense of community, leaders are unable to lead, and at best, they rotate chairs on the Titanic. Huh? See, if people cannot find a church with any shared values, then you have no principled leadership. And if there is leadership, it's almost impossible. Because what type of values do you base your life on? What values do you have? Without a vision, without a purpose, without a meaning to come here. Why do we come here? Just to come here because we like each other and now that's a good reason. Well, we come here to like each other. But there has to be more than that. There must be more than that. If not, we might as well just go to the Lions Club, become a Rotarian, you know, the Rotary Club, or go to become a Kiwana, or a Kiwana Yuana, an Elk member, or do these other self-service clubs, because that's what they do. But we're beyond that. We're called of God. We have an anointing in our life. We're called to go to every industry of the world to reach people, to reach drug addicts, to reach lonely housewives, to help people, to pull them out. That's who we are. That's who we'll always be. Hmm? See, God knows what he's doing, and he has it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you a future and a hope, 
Plans not to allow you to experience a loss of meaning. With no shared values, people are powerless. Powerless. Even at your home, going to work, if all you do is go to work and survive, how happy are you? There's no purpose. Why, like, why go to work? Every, you have to have a purpose. Oh, and initially, and I got caught up in this when I was young. My first purpose when I was young, I was just out of the Army. I want to buy a house. Boom, bought a house two years later. I was like, didn't make me didn't make me feel any good. I go, I got a house. Yeah, yippee. Doesn't make me feel good. Well, I'm gonna get another house because might as well. Got another house. Still didn't feel good. So I, I, I bought a brand new car, bought my wife a brand new car, boom, no good. Bought me a car, boom, no good. It was like I had every toy imaginable and I was more miserable. The more I bought, the more misery I had. Why? Because those things cannot fulfill you. See, God birthed you, created you for something special. I, do I know what it is? No, but I know it's something. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been born. God doesn't make a mistake like, hmm, I'm bored. Let me have Jose birth. No. <laughs> God, in his infinite wisdom, saw the, the city in Mindanao, saw someone being born 10, 15 years ago that is, that's turning a trick right now. That's, that's smoking shabu, meth. He saw that and says, okay, I need Jose's daddy to chase his mama because I need Jose. That's how God operates. And the problem is most people never take the time to figure out why they were born. They just live life day by day, week to week with no purpose. Then they get old and die. I refuse just to die. When I die, I want, I want, to, I want to burn out. I want to like, you know, people say, oh, I don't, want, don't, don't, don't let the ministry burn you out. No, no, I want to burn out. Be like the apostle Paul. He said, my, my, my life is like a, a drink off. I've been poured out. I'm done. I have nothing left to give. It's all gone. I did all I can. Then I said, take me home. Take me home, God, because I'm tired. Amen? I want to burn out. See, is, is life absurd? Hmm? In 1960, I'm going to end it with this. The 1960s intellectuals said this. You guys are old. I was, I was a child of the 60s. They would say this, life is absurd. Now it's during the, the hippie days. That's when, when, when uh, psychotropic drugs were coming out. LSD was coming out, barely coming out, right? People, people were, you know, starting to, uh, the flower childs in the Bay Area. We're from the Bay Area, right? Uh, all the drugs and coming out, and crazy stuff. Reds, black beauties. You know what I'm talking about, Larry? All the, you guys don't even know what that is. But they were coming out then, in the 60s, right? Why? Because life was absurd. Life is absurd. See, when the web of community is shredded, when there's no family, life is absurd. When the belief systems are shattered, in the 60s, they took prayer out of schools in 1964. The children were praying for three things. The president, their teachers, and their parents. That's what, that was the prayer. That was a standard prayer. They took it out. 
By the end of the 1960s, rebellion, there was rebellion. Guess who they rebelled against? The government, authority, their parents. Life was absurd. How did it happen? They took part out and everything else deteriorated. Why? Because they attacked the family. Oh, did it stop there? Of course not. Not only did they attack prayer, then they said, you know what, ladies? Go ahead and kill your child. It's okay. It's legal now. Well, Margaret Sanger, the founder of, of, of Planned Parenthood, the founder of Planned Parenthood called Blacks, Jews, Czechs, weeds of society that need to be exterminated. She founded Planned Parenthood with the idea of exterminating minorities. So what did she do? She put every Planned Parenthood in every ghetto so she can kill blacks and Mexicans because they were weeds of society. Planned Parenthood, Hillary Clinton's hero, Margaret Sanger. Destroying community. You know there are more black people, black babies murdered in New York than born every year? Black children, more black babies murdered in the womb than born. The vision of Margaret Sander, Sager, which is demonic at its root, is working, and she's reducing the black community. Why? Because she had a vision to destroy them. And here we have a, a political party that all for them. So this is the this is society we live in. Why? Because the enemy's strategy is to attack families. Attack family. See, the value system the early church described in Acts 2 propelled them into the community of power. They devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to breaking bread. They devoted themselves to prayer. See, that sense of community, if we can establish it here, will propel us into the supernatural. Hmm? Will take us places. Victor Arts, we must create a system of affiliation and loyalty. I like that word affiliation. We must be affiliated. See, if you're in the penal system, you don't want to be affiliated. Right? Because if you're affiliated, they, they always they lock you down. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? You, you, you either they, they, they segregate you, if you're too affiliated, they lock you down. You got only one one hour and to play hooky. You know what I'm saying? But in Christianity, we need to be affiliated. Affiliated with our cause. Affiliated with our ministry. I'm affiliated with Nikki Cruz. I'm affiliated with Pastor Sonny. I'm affiliated. I'm a made man. Huh? See, you either get right, or I'll say like this, you either get right in, or you get left out. That's it. Why? Because what we're, we're doing is too serious to play games. You can't play patty cake. It's not patty cake, patty cake. Baker's man, bake me a cake as fast as you can. This is not this kind of church, homegirl. This is the real deal. The devil wants to kill you. The devil wants to rape you. He wants to hurt you. Men, are there any men in the house? The devil wants to destroy you. Wipe you out so you can be, become an abusive husband, a liar, a philanthropist, a, a fornicator. Why? So you can continually ruin a community. We have to stop it. So no more. We're affiliated. We're loyal. We're loyal to God. We're loyal to our spouse. We're loyal to our ministry. That's what it takes. Not, this other, not, not, not other stuff. Hardcore. 
hope die. Believers in Christ. So we have a shared culture. I pray that we all understand. I do my best to explain who we are, Victor Arch. We're kind of radical. I guess to others looking in, maybe. I don't think so. When I look at the Bible, we're just like them. They, they just turned the world upside down. They did it. We could do it. It's almost like as if the church has just settled for mediocrity. What do you do in life? Oh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, whatever you are, and I go to church. That's it? That's it? That's it? Your life? That's all you want to do? Don't you want to have God take you into the deep so you can see his miracles and miraculous working power? Don't you want, don't you long for that? That's all I long for. That's all I want to see. I have these downtime and I'm, I'm doing like a God. I need, I need more. God, wake your people up. Let them see the day. Let them see the time. What are we waiting for? It's not time to kick and run. It's not time to hide. It's time to get up front. Get in the front row. Learn your craft. Learn who Jesus is. Learn about his anointing. Begin to employ it somewhere. Do something with what you have. So we're fortunate. Because we do not not only have shared values and norms. We have a history. Uh, our history goes all the way to New York with Nikki Cruz and David Wilkerson. Uh, and we're, not, we're blessed, not just Nikki Cruz there. We have Nikki Cruz here. Like I said, Nikki, Gloria was trying to talk Jose not to go, right? Because he helps Gloria and Nikki all the time. They're, are you sure? Are you sure? He's like, I got to go. You know, you don't have to go. I got to go. You don't have to go. I got to go. Uh, but we have shared history. We're not just some fly-by-night ministry that decided one day to open the door and say, I'm, I am now the Church of the Holy Ghost for the Most High. No, we go, we go deep. I, I, my, I was, my, hand, my, my leaders laid their hands on me and sent me out. I came over here under orders. I didn't just come here on my own. I've been sent on a mission. I'm a man under orders. Persuni and the early miracles. There's so many. How when Campbell, the owner of Campbell Soup, gave him the hacienda for a dollar. In, in, in a million dollar neighborhood. Uh, that's how we start our ministry. When Paul Crouch gave, gave Personi half a dozen TV stations, just gave it to him, and he personally sold it back to him, sold back 20 of them for like millions and millions and millions. Miracles. That helped stop Victor Arich. These are, these are our history. This is how we got to where we're at. It didn't happen by accident, it was God's miracle working power. I remember that I was with Nikki the other day. I go, you know, Nikki, you almost got me into a fight. She looked at me like, what? I go, no, Gloria, I almost got in a fight because of Nikki. He goes, well, he goes, I didn't make you get in a fight. I go, no, Nikki, you weren't there, though. You didn't know about it, but I did. I had just got saved and somebody was talking smack about Nikki Cruz. I, I didn't know Nikki Cruz, but I knew one thing. I had been saved for a year, and this was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And this one guy was talking crack about, um, about Nikki. I said, whoa, wait a minute, man. Nick, and at that time, Nikki had been serving God maybe 25 years. I got mad. I go, look, I've been doing this for one year, serving God. Try not to sin. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> serving, one year, try not to sin. 
right? Trying, trying to be straight. I'm be committed. You know, fight. You have to fight for that. I was fighting for that. And this guy started talking neck about Nicky Cruz. And I go, look, dude. If you say one more word, I am gonna knock you out. Because first of all, I'm kind of frustrated now because it's hard serving God, and now you're getting me mad. Because this guy right here is serving God 25 years. He goes all over the world. He's preaching the gospel, and I'm barely getting on. You're a punk. He goes, well, man, I didn't know you felt like that about me. I don't feel like that, but you're a punk, so shut up. I think I was kind of in the flesh because it's hard serving God sometimes, amen? So I told Nikki that. He started laughing. I go, yeah, I was going to fight because of you. It wasn't your fault. But see, these are my histories. And look at how God honors that. Remember, I'm God. He brings me to Nikki's. I, 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 Nikki's like my dad. And I didn't know that at the time. He always does that with me. Remember I told you my favorite author? My favorite author calls me out of a group of 10,000 people. Me and my wife. I'm sitting in my own business. He walks up to me and says, you. I go, me? You. I go, oh, that's heavy. Pull me out. See, God always does that. Why? To me, these are miracles. Not coincidences. Miracles. That God brings these people to me. I don't look for them. They come to me. They begin to offer things and, and do things. Miracle after miracle after miracle. So that tells me we're on the right track. The problem is I can't make you grab it. You have to want it. They didn't make me grab it. You, you better grab the vision. No, I wanted it. I wanted it more than anything else in life. 